Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. I am so looking forward to Vincent Bugliosi's return to my program. You know that name. He's one of the foremost trial lawyers in America, the man best known for having prosecuted Charles Manson and then writing about it in the classic Helter Skelter. He was here in connection with his book called Outrage. That was about the O.J. Simpson Lack of conviction in the criminal case. I'll come back to that in a moment. And then most recently, he joined us when he wrote, What is the Tome? Dealing with the assassination of JFK. It was called Reclaiming History, the Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. I remember joking with Vincent Bugliosi that I could do bench presses with that book. The thing was so darn thick. But back to outrage for a moment, because he's here to discuss his new book, Divinity of Doubt, The God Question. And it actually arises out of a passage that he wrote in Outrage, that book of a couple of years ago, about the O.J. case. And what he said is that after the not guilty verdict was announced, 
Nicole Simpson's mother was heard to whisper, God, where are you? And O.J. Simpson's mother issued a statement thanking God. So it was God's will that Simpson slaughtered Nicole? Really? He wrote at the time? When it comes to theology, I'm too confused to be anything but an agnostic. And the new book builds on that subject, and Vincent Bugliosi is here right now. Thanks so much for coming back. Well, Michael, thank you so much for having me back on the show. Uh, People have asked me why I've done this book, and uh, I like challenges, and there's no bigger challenge, of course, than taking on the God question. Let me say, Michael, that uh, I'm more excited about this book than any other book in my entire career, and I've had seven New York Times bestsellers, three got up to number one. And, And the reason is not only that there's no more important subject than God, of course, but we're talking here, Michael, about a 2,000 year old conversation in which nothing significant has been brought to the table for a great number of years. And believe it or not, I believe this book does that. And uh, I, if, if you'll give me a couple minutes off the top, I'll just briefly summarize a couple of the things. You, that you I may talk do about it. Them. Let me let me just tell you what I, as a fellow traveler in terms of the bar, appreciated. This okay. is a total evidentiary approach. You did not take the tact of conducting a trial, and you discuss in the book why you chose not to do so. But yours is with a very critical evidentiary eye. Yeah, I, uh, my whole orientation as a trial lawyer and a writer of true crime books is to follow the evidence. The evidence is my only master, and that's why if you read the book, uh, some sections I go in the direction of God, some I go away from God, and it's only because I'm following the evidence. And Vincent, learned... I, I read it. I thought, uh, let me tell you, I thought you went easy on the atheists. <laughs> you do? Yeah, the, 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 I, I, thought, the... I thought you were you were appropriately very circumspect, very critical, very analytical relative to the theists. You identify yourself as an agnostic. I thought, you, you know, you, you hammer Dawkins a bit. You talk about Christopher Hitchens and so forth. But I thought you went light on them. I, I want you to give the closing statement. But here's how I'd like to begin, if you don't mind. Yeah. Because right. I think we get tripped up in the, and, and I, I realize you're doing a lot of interviews. Just so you know, right. you're on yeah. the horn now with a guy who read it cover to cover. Oh, I appreciate that very much. Good. I, and I and enjoyed it. And really enjoyed it. If you could only see my copy sitting here in Philadelphia, thumbed up with post-it notes, I think you'd smile. But this is the way I want to begin, because so okay. many get tripped up by the semantics. Please yeah. define in lay terms. What are we talking about with a theist, atheist, or agnostic? Well, a theist believes in God. Uh... And atheist does not. Uh, the uh, agnostic says, I don't know. Perhaps a better definition of agnostic is someone who believes that the existence vis-a-vis non-existence of God is unknowable. Of course, if it's unknowable, uh, you can't know. I, I like to point out, Michael, that uh, I have a rather bright person on my side. At least some people think he's kind of bright. His name is Einstein. Uh, Einstein was an agnostic. Uh, interestingly enough, Darwin was also uh, an agnostic. I say interestingly enough because most revo- uh, most evolutionists turn out to be atheists, and yet the founder of evolution, Darwin, uh, was very definitely an agnostic. Uh, As you I point out, that, by the way, the, the the title was the origin of species, not life. That's exactly right. Uh, I believe that whether or not there's a God is an impenetrable mystery uh, beyond human comprehension. The way Einstein said it, he said the problem is too vast for. Our, our limited minds, and that's why I believe the most reasonable position to take on the issue of God is that of agnosticism. I love Gertrude Stein's non-literary uh, definition of agnosticism. She said, uh, there ain't no answer, there ain't going to be any answer, there never has been an answer, that's the answer. I also like 
Uh, Clarence Darrow, you know, the 1930s great uh, criminal defense attorney, he said, uh, I do not purport to know what ignorant men are sure of. An interesting little tag to this, uh, Michael, is many people have told me that they learned who they were from reading The Divinity of Doubt. They had thought they were atheists or theists, and it turns out they said that they were neither. They were an agnostic, and they didn't even know it, and, and they felt that learning their true uh, religious identity uh, was something that, that was of value to them. About atheism, um, the atheists are the ones that are savaging me the most on the, uh, on, on the Internet, telling people not to read the book. I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I think I say in the book that uh, religion is a rather, uh, not religion, but I believe that atheism is, is intellectually barren, almost vapid. Uh, I, I don't think that these people like Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and Richard Dawkins, I don't think they can come up with one argument that's not a non-sequitur. And I don't know whether or not there's a, a God, but if there isn't, I do not believe that religious dogma leads one rationally to that conclusion. I think that I say very clearly in the book that they have not come up with one strong persuasive argument for the non-existence of God. Uh, at least theism has come up with the argument of first cause. I don't know if we're going to have time to get into that. I don't know, but can I read a passage from the book to, to give yes. everybody a little taste of just how you lay it out bare bones from Vincent Bugliosi's perspective? Right. You return to this subject, and here's the paragraph I want people to hear. Before I get further into the inherent nonsensicality of it, let me see if I have this right. Adam and Eve disobey God and eat the apple... Paren, I would think God could care less, and God gets so teed off that he decides to punish billions of people throughout the rest of time by giving them a sinful nature. And then you joke, talk about Italians having long memories, and then he has his son die on the cross as atonement for our sins and for the sinful nature he, yes, he, gave us. My, my, if, as Sophocles said, a lie never lives to be old, this cannot be said of a false belief. Explain. Well, I think you just have. I don't know how I can articulate it any better than that. Uh, the whole notion of uh, God, or God having his son die on the cross for our sins, uh, how does that solve the problem? Uh, furthermore, if you read uh, the Bible, it says very clearly that when he died on the cross for our sins, they're not just for our past sins, but our future sins. Well, if that's so, how come we end up in hell, so many of us? I mean, I mean... It's, and and it's, you, you also say in the book, why not, why, why didn't this, this uh, uh, omnipotent God just make everybody live forever? And frankly, why, why give rise, why give birth to the evil among us? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you're getting into the death thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's dirty and rotten and vile and ugly. Uh, and if there's a Christian God, uh, uh, it's also evil. Uh, the, the, the notion that when we die, it's because of old age, uh, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. God, uh, in Genesis, said that if Adam and Eve had eaten from the tree of life, we would have lived forever. Why can't we live forever? I mean, if God can create the universe, he can't allow us to live forever? And in the old days, uh, the old days, I don't know when that was, but Methuselah, you lived to be 969, uh, Noah lived to be uh, 950, and then there was a point, I think in 6-3 uh, Genesis, where God told uh, Noah, I'm fed up with the human race from now on, no one's going to live to be 120, which turns out to be the lifespan of a human. Only one human that we know of has ever defied God. It was a French woman uh, from Arles, France, uh, who died in 1997 at the age of 122, so she defied God for a couple years. But obviously, when we die, uh, Deuteronomy 32-39 uh, 
says, uh, God says, I kill and give life to everything. He's the one that decides that we die. So in effect, he kills all of us. We don't die of old age, because to say we die of old age is to say that God is helpless. He can create the universe, but he can't let us live forevermore. That's silly on its face. And where do we do when we lose our father and our mother and, and, and things like that? Well, we take him or her uh, to God's home, uh, the church, the synagogue, and then we praise God for his handiwork. But that, that's just one chapter of the book. I get into so many other things. Vincent, I want to I raise two other issues before I lose Vincent Bugliosi. And by the way, the title of the new book is Divinity of Doubt. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. I want to raise two other issues before I lose Vincent Bugliosi. And by the way, the title of the new book is Divinity of Doubt. You, you in particular, singled out evangelical Christians. I would think that, that the, uh, the angry emails that you will read in connection with this book are largely going to come from that sect. Well, believe it or not, though, they're coming from atheism. But evangelical Christians are basically talking about born-again Christianity. Yeah, lay that out as you do in the book. Give me the Cliffsnode version. Well, you, you know, the, the, the born-agains actually believe, I'm not making this up, that no matter what type of life you lead, no matter how moral and ethical, and you live by the golden rule, it means nothing as far as God is concerned. If you don't accept his son as your savior, you're going to hell. And Billy Graham in his book, uh, uh, How to Become Born Again, makes no bones about it. He said, being good and ethical and wonderful towards your fellow man, that's not good enough for God. If you don't Accept God, uh, God's Son as your Savior, you're going to hell. Now, if this is not a blasphemy of reason, I don't know what in the world is. Apparently, it means much more to God that you accept His Son as your Savior than how you treat your fellow man. So born-again Christianity is nonsensical on its face. You say uh, at a certain part of the book, how could an all-just and all-intelligent God, as Christians believe God to be, keep out of heaven those who, for instance, are prevented from knowing Him because they are mentally retarded? Well, of course, yes, yeah. I mean, uh, how can you accept God uh, and Jesus as your Savior if you uh, have never even seen the Bible? And uh, if you had seen the Bible, you wouldn't know how to read it. It doesn't make any sense at all. The the insanity of Christianity is laid out, but I I do disagree on one little point, and I'm very honored, uh, Michael, that someone of your stature took time to read the book, but I'm not easy on atheism. I point out one non-sequitur of theirs after another. Well, I'm, I'm, all right, let me tell you, I've circled on page 54. I'll use this and, and allow you to, to take the floor on, on atheists. But as John McEnroe would say, Dawkins cannot be serious. Dawkins evidently means to prove the non-existence of God by simply saying he doesn't believe that any being could be that complex and hence have such power. Where does Richard Dawkins come up short? He was recently uh, in my studio making his case. Well, he, he's considered to be the leading atheist, the Ayatollah of atheism, according to the L.A. Times. <laughs> right. and, he's, and he says, quote, th- this is what he says, the central argument of his book, that since the universe is so extremely complex, for God to exist, he'd have to be more complex than the universe he created. Do you realize how childlike that is? Basically he's saying, I don't believe in God, because I don't believe that God could be that complex. Who is he to even... Uh, suggest that. I mean, it, it, it's, it's almost like a father telling his son, 
uh, son, look up into the heavens, all the stars. Uh, God created all that. The son's saying, you know, Father, I don't believe that God could be that powerful. And this is the central argument of his book, that he doesn't believe God exists because he doesn't believe God could be that complex. That's the main argument of his book, a book that sold a million and a half copies. But all they can come up with was one non-sequitur after another. The main non-sequitur uh, out there now for them, and I could give you uh, five more, the main one uh, is embraced by Sam Harris and, and Christopher Hitchens, and they, they, they say this, in effect, if you read their book, that they, uh, if they can slay the, the dragon of organized religion, an unworthy opponent on my part, they have therefore slain God. But that's a terrible non-sequitur. Basically, they're saying that God uh, cannot exist unless there's also a, a, a religion. And a national Pew poll, 2010, confirmed something that I already knew, that over 30% of Americans uh, who are not associated with any organized religion still believe very strongly in God. You can certainly have God without also having uh, a religion. The antithesis of God is no God, not no religion. So these people just come up with not one non-sequitur after another. Final question for Vincent Bugliosi, if I might. Self-described agnostic. You are 76 years old. I was wondering as I was reading the book, are you covering your bets? No, no. That, how, how does that cover your bed? If you don't well, by, no, by well, that. But you, I mean, you were raised a Catholic. Oh, I know that. I know that. But so would I? Would I find you in church this Sunday? No, no. Somewhere along the line, I realized if I was going to go to heaven and there was a heaven, I wanted to take my reason with me. But covering my bets would mean that I'm safe. How are you safe being an agnostic? If you don't accept Christ as your Savior, you're going to hell. Agnostics are going to hell as far as uh, born-again Christianity is concerned. So you're rolling the dice. No, I'm not rolling the dice. I just feel that neither side has met their burden of proof. I'm talking about atheism and theism. That leaves nothing left than uh, agnosticism. If, if agnosticism is the decision of Einstein, perhaps the, the, the most profound uh, mind of the 20th century, I think I, I, I don't think you can say, well, you're kind of stupid for being an agnostic when you have someone like Darwin and, and, uh, and, and Einstein on your side. I think, you're, I think you, nevertheless, you may have them on your side. I think you are a man of courage for writing the book because I, I I step away from conversations on my program typically that concern religion because it's a no win it's a, a zero sum game for me and and I'll tell you something that you know well because of the letters you got after you wrote outrage everybody calls or everybody writes and they all know to a certainty what the answer is and then cite seemingly conflicting passages from the older New Testament. Yeah, around Christmas time, we don't know what our family wants for Christmas. Uh, we don't know what happened to that uh, document that we lost or misplaced yesterday. We don't know if it's going to rain or shine tomorrow, but somehow we know whether there's a God or not a God up there. It, it, it's nonsensical. I really believe that agnosticism is the most responsible position to take on the issue of God. And I want to repeat, I'm so happy that you read the entire book, and, 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 and you did say you enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I enjoyed it very much, and I, I found it engaging, and I, I, I want to get you to Philadelphia in my studio and and dedicate much much more time oh, so I appreciate if you that. if you I, travel I'd, I'd love to do that if you travel east in support of divinity of doubt vincent bugliosi i would be privileged to welcome you into my studio thank you so much sir i really appreciate it deeply have a good day <laughs> thank you sir Bye. that's vincent bugliosi the man best known for having prosecuted charles manson it is a book that i i'm telling you if you could see my copy as i told him thumbed up post-it noted questions in the margins very very challenging text and i do recommend it divinity of doubt he makes the case as to why he is an agnostic 
He hammers theists and he hammers atheists, as you heard me tell him. I thought a little less so with regard to the latter, but you will find it engaging. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs> 